Hello and welcome to The Mystic Show. It has been a long time since I've produced an episode for you, but here we are. I recorded a really nice conversation I had with my good friend Mike Waskowski, and he also lives here in Colorado Springs, and he's been studying the law of one for many years. And so we discussed the law of one, which, well, you'll understand once we talk about it. It's uh, it's over a hundred channeling sessions with a higher being or social memory complex. Is that what it's called? Anyway, it's channeling, but it's really deep and compelling. And Mike is a really great guy. He runs a meetup group several meetup groups here in town. He's very active in the UFO community and the disclosure efforts. And he also programs websites and apps for a lot of people in the UFO sphere. So uh, he's been meditating for many years and studying the law of one. And he also recently created a social networking site for higher consciousness communities. And that is called the new earth network and you can just actually the link to that will be in the description and also a link to Mike's personal site, his YouTube channel and all that. So you could check out Mike and all his stuff, really great stuff, really authentic and heartfelt. And, and, and as you'll hear the whole purpose for his studying and researching and all that is for, for human spiritual advancement, which is really awesome. So, and as far as this show goes, the mystic show, I hope to do more episodes, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. So if you want to, if you have questions or you want to ask me anything, please contact me. You know, the website is the mystic show.net. And there you have it. So here's my conversation with Mike Waskowski about the Law of One material. I'm sitting here in my basement studio with Mike Waskowski. Hello. Fellow inhabitant of Colorado Springs. <laughs> yep. And you run a bunch of meetups. And we're going to talk all about a lot about what you're into because you, you're doing a lot and you have been for many years. Uh, one of the things I thought was interesting is the these new books called The Ra Contact, which come from the old books, which are called The Law of One. Originally called The Ra Material. Okay, The Ra Material. Mm-hmm. And now it's called The Ra Contact. And The Law of One is just the one of the main principles. Yeah. Um, although they, they use The Law of One as the title of the series after book one. So it's generally referred to as The Law of One as the book series, but that's the principle referred to in the series. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I really want to talk about the law of one and they re- recently republished these books as the raw contact. And these are the books that I got. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you initially introduced me to the law of one, I went online and I saw some books, but then it, they were really old. And I heard, and people were saying that they weren't really good uh, transcriptions and all this. And so then I was like, well, I'll just maybe they'll redo it. And then like, Within six months, they re they re release everything. Yeah, it's really great to have uh, the original books had some personal material edited out, 
Um, and there, there were some uh, minor transcription errors, a word here and there wrong, but um, people have re-listened to the original audio recordings from the channeling sessions and have put together pretty much a 100% accurate, um, with, with some editing to stuttering of the person asking the questions, um, but it's it's pretty much exactly what was being channeled. Right. So, yeah, so these were channeling sessions. This was, uh, I think, Carlo Ruckert? Yep, was the channeler. She was the channeler, so she would lay down on, it was like a, not a bed, it was a... Yeah, it's kind of like a bed, it's like a table. Yeah, like a ta- padded table. Yeah. And um, and then she would cover her eyes, and they there were a couple rituals along with it, but basically she got into the channeling state or meditative state and then there were two other people in the room who tell us who they were it was don elkins who was originally an engineering professor who started experimenting with many esoteric things like hypnosis and started a channeling group while he was still working at a university eventually moved on to live with carl rucker they were in a relationship for a time and um so they're very loving energy between these three people contributed to making a great atmosphere for this channeling environment Jim McCarty uh, came in uh, just interested in what they were doing. He wanted to be a part of, of of the work they were doing, and he would transcribe the sessions after they would record them, the channeling sessions. Um, but but it's also really important, I think one of the most important things people have to know is that um, Carla was very strict about what she was willing to channel and how she was willing to channel. She made sure that only if an entity that was wanting to speak through her was coming in the name of love, coming in the name of Jesus Christ, coming in the name of what she identified as pure unconditional love of this highest vibration that she was willing to allow that entity to to uh, use her as, as a channel. Right. Yeah, and I, actually at the same time, they were channeling other beings as well. Or was Carla also channeling other beings or, or were other members of their sort of local group channeling beings? Yeah, all of them were experimenting with channeling, but what they were doing was conscious channeling. And it's what a lot of people do. Uh, it's, it's basically like waiting for um, something to come through you and, 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 and trying to I mean, it's, it's a strange thing to describe, but basically you, you are conscious and you do have control when you're conscious of what's coming out of your mouth when you're doing conscious channeling. And that's what they were familiar with. But with the raw contact, something unusual happened where Carla said it felt like she fell asleep. She basically left her body in this semi-aware state, um, and she had no idea what was actually being channeled through her. She just knew that there was this process going on, and she felt like she was in this loving space while it was happening. So it's it's basically called um, a trance state of channeling. Okay. So Carla is laying on the padded table, and uh, Don Elkins is the one who's basically running the session, asking the questions. Yeah. And then Jim is there in the room, and while the channeling's happen- happening, what is? I think Jim is just meditating. Is that correct? Yeah, he's sending love, loving thoughts, prayers, and and good energy. Yeah. And so there were more than a hundred of these channeling sessions with. Ra and Ra is the name of the being that came through Carla, right? And and that's what what distinguished this channeling from all the other channeling they had done, and probably all the other channeling I've ever heard of, is that this particular channeling with Ra seemed to be of the highest quality nature, where Don could ask extremely technical, very specific questions and get very technical, incredible, intelligent responses that were so coherent, so comprehensive that it just explains the nature of reality, explains what we're doing here. Um, if you if you can understand it, some of it's really um, um, deep, deep, and uh, some of it you have to look up the words. They're using a lot of advanced advanced terminology to 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 really get accurate in explaining things. They wanted to be one hundred percent precise in making sure we had something we could 
we could rely on as, as this is the way things are. Right. Yeah, I'm about a quarter of the way through all of the sessions. And one of the words uh, that Ra keeps using is bellicose when he's describing, <laughs> I guess, average or some people, you know, on earth today. Uh-huh. And that's why I had to, I looked up, I kind of knew what bellicose meant, but I had to look it up. And of course, I don't have it up in front of me now, but it just means like a darker negative approach or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like a vocabulary term I remember from high school. <laughs> It's more of a, a negative thing, is basically. Right. So, okay, so they're channeling. And so here's the thing, is I've uh, read in my life a few people or a few examples of channeling sessions and all this stuff. And and I've even, I don't know, I think I've been in the room with people when they were channeling, maybe once or twice in my life. Nothing major, but just people s- somehow getting messages and Anything I ever read or anything I ever experienced with channeling just felt a little weird to me. Like, like I, I didn't, it didn't feel a hundred percent legitimate or something. I mean, that's just a feeling I got, but I will say reading this raw contact, this is way different. Like this is in another league where, like you said, the things they're talking about are so deep and, and specific that it just seems uh, it's like better, better than any science fiction you've ever read, but still, it, it, it fits to everything about reality that we're experiencing, understanding, learning through whistleblowers, insiders, talking about the nature of extraterrestrials, um, the nature of the metaphysical dimensions and everything. Um, so how much of this have you read so far? Um, I'm about a quarter of the way through. So there's two volumes, and I'm still reading volume one. And last night, um, I just read, I think, two or three sessions, and... So my next one to read is session 37. And so these were done it, around 1981 to 82? To 84. Okay, 81 to 84. Yep. Okay. And 106. Okay, 106 sessions. And one of the other things is that not only does the, the feeling of these uh, channeling sessions, does it feel authentic, but a lot of the information given actually agrees with and corresponds with some of the teaching I've had in the spiritual field, as far as spiritual growth and, and levels and, um, you know, not just chakras, but chakras and beyond kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like when I was doing a lot of research and initially into extraterrestrials and channeling and, and all the different material that you find on the internet, that's so hard to piece together. It was like the law of one material here finally made everything click, where I could finally get a coherent picture where, and see how things fit in, see where things might be disinformation, and, and understand, um, you know, th- there actually is a way to fit everything together. Whereas before, it's like, do I completely ignore, you know, certain aspects, certain religions? Um, but, but this is, this, I feel like at this point in my life, I can actually legitimately see how all religions fit together and, and have it really make sense for me. Right, which is really important because rising above religion into the realm of pure spirituality is that that's a step in our journey. Yeah, absolutely. And until someone makes that step, you're sort of I don't want to say trapped in a religion, but you're you're experiencing a religion. Well, everyone who everyone thinks their religion is the pure spirituality, so it's just this matter of recognizing the contradiction between um, 
believing that other people are somehow wrong, and then the true spirituality, which sees we're all a part, we're all in this together, we're all a part of this 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 one um, consciousness, which is trying to evolve together. Right. Yeah. So the evolution part, I really like how in uh, the raw contact that, and and I'm a little, I've always called it the law of one. What should I call it, Mike? <laughs> Um, anything you want. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, the raw contact probably is a better term for it. I'm just used to calling it the law of one because that's so what I. it's mostly being used. Okay. Yeah. But the raw contact are the, is the title of the new books and they're really well done. Um, so one of the things I really like is that they focus on, they, they ask Ra a lot about spiritual progress of individual human beings. Yeah. Like What's the what's the evolutionary the spiritual evolutionary process and how can a human being evolve like even help consciously right I love that yeah yeah they they were very early on try to get into specifics like well how do we do this this healing on ourselves and others and how do we how do we actually rapidly accelerate our evolution and you know the answers would sometimes be veiled because they're trying to preserve free will there's many types of practices people can do to accelerate their their evolution but like they they would always try to go to the heart of it and then try to be questioned on what they said to get deeper in so they they started out with exercises saying seek the love in the moment this is the, the most useful tool we have is to look for love existing in the present moment and uh see the creator in others and that's a very you know we we can we can say that we see ourselves in others as a corollary of we see the creator in others, but we um, it's like there's there's many different um, ways of looking at these terminologies. Love, what is love? What is the creator? Um, but but these are the best words we have right now um, to, for for getting to the to the core of things. So if you want to try to imagine, um, you know, well, we can't be like the creator because God is greater than us. God is whatever is greater than us. Well, then we are whatever is greater than us, and we have a distorted perception of who we are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can always work with these principles and go further and further um, with um, seeing the creator in others, seeing the creator in yourself, and finding love in the moment. Right. Yeah, and the ones I read last night, uh, they stressed, again, forgiveness mm-hmm. about how if you can just forgive everything and everyone, that lightens your load so much and actually removes karma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a very strong connection. Um, it's it's a metaphysical law, is what they're trying to describe. Uh, just just as any physical law, they they call uh, karma um, forgiveness is the principle of breaking. Whereas karma would be like if you're in like a car and you're driving down the road of some type of emotion that you have in your life. This is like something you could literally think of as a metaphysical dimensional representation of this emotion has a momentum to it. And there's an inertia behind this momentum that is causing damage in your life. And when you want to stop it, you have to forgive. You have to accept rather than try to control. You, and once that acceptance is fully appreciated, that vehicle in the metaphysical can stop and you now have freedom from it. Right. Yeah, the the driving in a car with inertia and being caught up with your emotions or, or, or non-forgiveness is a really interesting way to look at it because you're in, you're driving down a road and you're going fast and you're going to hit something or you're going to crash yeah. and you're going to be damaged uh, and you might even die. But the when you use forgiveness, it, it's the equivalent of, of hitting the brakes in the car and slowing down. Right. So then you're, there's no more really chance of, uh, 
there's less chance of being damaged and being controlled by those emotions. Right, right. Yeah, if we could just, and I mean, I don't, I don't know if people can even uh, interpret the word forgiveness to mean as much as it really can mean, because acceptance of yourself, acceptance of others, acceptance of everything in your life can really make everything so much easier. It's 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 really a core to spiritual growth, it's at least what they would call for people on the positive path. And that's a whole other subject. Okay. But but there are ways to manipulate people and get more out of your experience if manipulation is your chosen path. Right. But in this world, in this environment, it's it would be very hard because people are so torn between the the love that they want to feel for others and the control that they want to have in their life. And uh, the law of one strongly emphasizes you really do have to pick one path or the other if you want consistent benefit to always love unconditionally, always accept and forgive if you want this, what I would say is the more convenient path in this lifetime. Right. All right, let's talk about the positive and the negative approach. Let's get into that a little more. But I, one thing I do want to say is that I'm enjoying reading this material. And for me, and I, and I hope this is the way it is with uh, everyone who's listening to this as well. For me, any material like this, whether it's these books or any other books, right? Whether it's the you know, the Bhagavad Gita, right? That's a great one. There, there are a lot of materials that I read and I just, I don't, like, I don't ever consider it like, oh, this is my new religion and <laughs> oh, the, you know, the raw contact is, this is the best and only thing. Like I absorb everything yeah. and I sort of like in my life, I'm sort of consciously, but also subconsciously just integrating everything I'm learning. Yeah. And I and it takes time, right? Absolutely, yeah. There's some degree of um, well, I like at the very beginning of the the initial uh, publication, um, Don Elkins said, um, "Just think of this as like research data." There's so many people who want to make conclusions, and it's very easy to jump to conclusions because it's easier. It's easier to just say, "Well, I've chosen this. I want to believe this, and I'm going to conclude this is the way things are." But if you look at everything you're experiencing as just kind of a kind of scientific uh, data that now you can try to make hypotheses based off of, but it's, it's still can be thrown out if there's something that, that, that supersedes that data. But yeah, it's, it's just one way of, of understanding things that right. is being communicated. And I was recently, recently listening to Joe Rogan and he, um, so one of his guests actually pointed out that Joe Rogan has changed his mind on some of his beliefs and his opinions. And his, his his response was great. He's like, yeah, of course I changed my mind. <laughs> Things change. Yeah. New information. Like th- this idea that we're supposed to pick one viewpoint and that's it is that's 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 like the definition of being stuck. Yeah. Yeah. There's a. I mean, there's a lot of reasons people get attached to things. Um, and I, forgiveness is one thing that heals attachments too. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with identity. Um, people feel better when they don't have to question the deepest aspects of their subconscious. Right. Like, like, like who am I and what am I doing here? And <laughs> why do I even do the things that I do? Right. It gets very, very deep. Uh, but so it's like, you could assume you are a particular religion or you are a particular, or even like, um, somebody who's a public figure would say, I have to be credible in this way. This is who I've presented myself as. And I can't touch channel material because I have to stay credible. Right. And that's this other category. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's always some sense of identity, which is almost like dominating 
the subconscious mind of our personality right. and why we're you know approaching the way we're appro- approaching life and uh, th- this is why i think um there's a strong emphasis in the law of one that there is only identity we can try to uh think that there's right and wrong and there's separation between us but ultimately we are one identity and if we um I really love the teachings of Ramana Maharshi. Um, and in, in my uh, presentation I did at Eclipse of Disclosure two years ago, I, I described the connection between some of the initial statements Ra made. They said the most important statement um, that they had to make was that everything is part of one original thought. And Ramana Maharshi said that everything was part of, uh, that we're experiencing comes from an I thought, one, one, one source thought of our identity. And if we question this thought, we we will continuously you know, remove all layers of suffering in our life, all layers of attachments, if we just keep questioning, who am I? And what is the I that's behind that, that is perceiving that response? What is the I that's continuously able to, you know, be aware of the I that I thought I was? (laughs) And so once you uh, get deep enough, you recognize, well, I guess I'm not any of these things I thought I was, and I am one with the universe. And that's what all these, um, you know, great gurus and saints have seemed to uh, be saying. Right. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember from listening to some psychologists and, and, and probably Jordan B. Peterson and others that the reason that a human being sort of gets stuck into one line of thinking is that it's uh, expedient. So they go back to like when, you know, when we were living in the forest and you, you know, when you hear a noise behind you, you jump because it might be, you know, a bear that's about to eat you. So, you know, it would be nice if you could just calmly turn around and say, okay, let me, let me observe this noise. What is it? But, you know, just to survive, you kind of have to just go and, and you have to just run. So that's like a, they're like little emotional shortcuts we have because in our daily life, we don't have the brain power and energy to actually look at every small decision and really think deeply about it. Yeah. It's patterns that go back to our childhood all the all these subconscious things that we program ourselves with and boy it's 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 a it's a really tough tangled mess to try to right. try to figure out why you are the way you are uh but with meditation you can get there and and there's a, obviously a strong emphasis on meditation in the law of one that this is this is the way that we can look deeper into the the roots of the tree of mind we it's like our mind is is constantly um out on these outer surface layers of this giant tree of what our mind represents it's not like we're one thing inside of our mind we're this tangle what they call a mind body spirit complex they don't refer to us as people they refer to us as a complex of these energies that are manifested as mind body and spirit but but yeah the mind is is so full of stuff by the time we're our age (laughs) that you got to spend a lot of time meditation to work on it right yeah and that's another reason why people stick with religion too is because then they don't have to think about it yeah. And they can think about other things in their life. So, see, religion to me always seemed like a a, a phase or a process, and it's a it's a good one. It, yeah. It's not a bad thing that people are in religion. Yeah, like I used to think that when I was really really young, like when I was you know seventeen or even earlier, when I when I uh, stopped going to church and all that. Like I used to think religion was bad and it was brainwashing yeah. people. But when I grew older, I realized that. It's just a step. It's a phase in the the evolution. Yeah. 
not bad. It's a it's a resource. It's a tool. Whether or not people want to look at it that way, uh, um, I, I enjoy going to church. I enjoy the worship experience. I don't get that when I'm at home alone. Uh, so there's a, there's a, there's a lot that you can gain. Um, and everything is catalyst in the law of one. Everything works as what, what catalyst is defined as that which leads to experience. And and everything we're, we're here for is based in experience. Experience is what leads to, uh, they, they talk about archetypes of evolution. Experience leads to, uh, it's an essential component to lead to a transformation of any kind. You have to be able to process experience. And to have experience, you have to have catalyst. So to have a very finely tuned experience that leads to the right kind of transformation, you might need the right kind of catalyst. And that might be religion. That might be something like this podcast. That might be a lot of things. Right. Yeah, and I, I just read last night that... uh we're provided with these experiences to help work through our karma. And if we handle that experience properly, then we sort of, we, we sort of uh, get rid of the karma, not get rid of what's the word. We, we dissolve our karma. But if you get the same situation, the same experience and you handle it wrongly, then later on in your life, you're going to be presented with the same thing again until you get it right. It's catalyst gone awry. It's not that you're using it wrongly. You're just creating a new experience. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so the goal with the the goal with the catalyst is to use the catalyst to to what turn to back its, toward love. Yeah. To its fullest uh, intention. And every every catalyst might have a a different potential, um, and we might need specific. Um, even negative things. People don't even realize that like all the negative stuff going on in your life, all the frustrations, all this is super important specifically for you. If you're experiencing that, it's because it's it was put there in your path because that was going to be most beneficial for you to potentially understand, oh, wow, this is something I can work on. This is something I should work on. I right. can heal this. I can forgive this. Right. I forgot your question. <laughs> yeah, no, that was it. It's like, how do we handle the, how do we handle the catalyst to move on? And, yeah. um, yeah, just turning toward love or, or helping others or just accepting acceptance and forgiveness. Like that happens to me a lot. Like something negative will happen and it'll bother me. And I'll be like, man, why did this have to happen? You know, like that's how you feel. And then sometimes, <laughs> I don't know how often, what percentage, but sometimes I will literally, I will actually think to myself, all right, this is what it is. And you know what? It's okay. And then I feel way better. Yeah. 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 And, and, and what's so interesting, um, they say in the law of one that that which is not needed falls away. The goal, I mean, our, our purpose here, we can experience everything desired. That's what we're supposed to do, experience everything desired. And if we try to push away something like, oh, that's not right for me, but you still want it, you're going to keep getting it back. But they say, experience everything uh, that you desire, distilling from it, the love and light within it, that which is not needed falls away. And um, what was I saying just now? That when that which is not needed falls away, you don't have to go through it anymore. So once you've done your forgiving, you've, you've done that work, the universe actually does realign. And this is so trippy that like, we're so, you know, thinking about everything in terms of determinism and like, well, all these things are happening to me for these other reasons, but it's actually all coming from these metaphysical planes where the nature of the events that are taking place, not the, not the objects, but the events as they're being aligned in our life are there so that what we're needing can come back. But what, when it's not needed anymore, it won't come back. 
So if you're really annoyed that something keeps happening, just be com- become completely peaceful with it, become completely accepting, completely loving, and just find find a way to find joy. There you are again. I love you. And then it won't have to happen anymore. That's that's really what it, how it works. Right. Yeah. Li- living that out practically is is sometimes not easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, being, you know, experiencing some situations. I mean, I almost think that like the the really the the more negative situations, like if it's a family member who maybe they get a, a terminal disease and they're going to die, or maybe they do die. Oh yeah. Like the, the, I don't know. This has always been weird with me. The big stuff like that, I seem to handle okay. Mm-hmm. Like even, maybe even I handle it well. But it's the little things in my life. It's like when I'm on hold for customer service and then someone comes back and I have to and I have to talk to three different people in 20 minutes and tell them all the same story. Like it's the for me, it's those little things that uh-huh. really grate me. And so it's tricky. Like, what do I do then? Am I just supposed to sort of be all Zen when I'm on the phone with customer service? Like, it's not easy. This is well, I'm going to go in a direction you might not expect. But I love to go in this direction. Um, we are mind, body, spirits. We're we're a complex of three uh, systems that are different. And if you're not taking care of your body in every way possible, so for example, like when we get stressed, we have extra chemicals running through us that make it harder to come back to a zen-like state. And like I love certain herbs. Um, there's been a lot of herbs I've taken for stress during work situations: ashwagandha, um, skull cap. Um, uh, even ginseng and <laughs> some of these teas you've got here probably are good for it. Yeah, there's so many different types of ways that you can tweak your your mind just a little, tweak your brain just a little bit so that stress doesn't get to you as much. And that can help you get to a point of forgiveness a little bit easier, I think, in, in, when you're in that space during the day. It, it, it is always about getting to that space of forgiveness, I think, and not having to, to deal with the frustrations. Um, but, but I feel like it's a very complicated game that we're in. There's many layers to it. Um, and all the choices that we make are, are connected to the experience that we wind up having in the moment. And, and that does relate to diet. It relates to if you meditated the night before or something like that. It relates to if you've been, um, you know, generally having a problem and that you haven't been dealing with in your life. Um, is your desk clean? I, I feel like that you got a clean desk here. It's like that, that's all connected. Well, that desk is clean, but if you turned around right now, oh, oh yeah, my that God. Not- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so as you were talking, I was thinking that one of the reasons, like like this this example with the customer service representatives are is good because the reason it frustrates me is because I have other stuff to do. Oh, yeah. Like if that's the only thing I, if I had eight hours in the day to do that yeah. one thing, yeah, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, okay, hold on. I'd be laying on the couch on the phone, right? Yeah, but it's like when my life gets, our lives can become complicated, and there can be pressures, and mm-hmm. and uh, we're ex, you know expectancy from other people. Yeah, so that's why um, I'm actually I've gone through these phases in my life where I simplify, mm-hmm. and I will literally look at what I'm doing in my life, and I will chop off like a third of it, and just say I'm I just can't do that. Yeah, uh, and I'm in I'm about to do that again right <laughs> now in my life, so it's exciting. Oh, you already chopped off the the. The podcast here, you got to get it back going. <laughs> That's true. Well, this is uh, this is a really great start. So I said we were going to talk about the positive and the negative path. Yeah, there's a lot that we can talk about. Yeah. We can talk about the densities of evolution. There's so many different things in the law of one. It's so 
It's so big. Um, well, the densities of evolution, let's talk about that. But the pause, let's, which one do you want to talk about first? Well, the density of evolution could easily lead into a, a balanced discussion of the, of the positive and negative understanding. Because ultimately, we're not talking about good and bad when we talk about positive and negative. We're talking about like how a magnet has a positive and negative polarity. Um, and the two polarities will repel or attract based on how you're orienting them. Um, and this is just a natural principle of, of the metaphysics of the universe. Um, that came from a lot of experimentation of, of apparently get the intelligence of galaxies. This is a huge, huge discussion. But I think one of the most interesting things for me is that is the the way that we're learning about the geometric nature of the universe. That uh, even like the like if you have a piano, there'll be there'll be you know eight white keys, and if you want to you know tune a piano, it has to be closely in tune so that that those those eight keys sound right. And this is just like a universal principle that all of vibration has these specific stepping points where it was going to sound good. This is just the way consciousness has manifested uh, our reality. It's, it's based on these kind of, of uh, intervals, you could say, of vibration. And what Rod d- d- describes all of the universe uh, that we're in is, is the one being, one, one consciousness manifested, but there are different densities to it. Um, people use the word dimension a lot, and I think de- they use the word densities to be more clear. That when, you, for example, like uh, rocks would be first density, the air around us is is first density consciousness. It's actually conscious. Crystals are conscious, um, but uh, second density of consciousness would be uh, plants and animal, or uh, yeah, anything like bacteria, anything that's not like human level intelligence. But plants and animals apparently are not self aware yet. They're they're in the growth phase, uh, but there's still a greater density of consciousness that they can begin to appreciate some of the uh, ideas of, of of what of what reality is. It's about identity. So once they become um, self aware, are are, not, are in that point, then they graduate into third density, which is what uh, humans on Earth right now are are representing as we are transitioning to fourth density. And third density is all about choice. We have to choose love. We have to open up our energy centers. That's another topic. But when we can open our heart center, we can become capable of of inhabiting a fourth density body, which where that love energy is becomes the nature of all of what we're doing. Um, and you can choose in this density if you want to pursue primarily love of self or primarily love of others. More than 51%. And people, you know, have made fun of this percentage thing, but it's really about can you keep your heart open? That's 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 what, where it, where it comes down to, and so this is a whole complicated discussion about the nature of what's going to be happening to us on Earth to bring us to the fourth density, but it's ultimately what I believe has been prophesied in many ancient religions that we're going to a new Earth. It's going to be a lot better, and we're going to have probably upgraded bodies, upgraded genetics, and it could be a natural function that the that genetics just naturally are upgraded um, by the the light coming in through the sun or something. And, but in the fourth density bodies, we will be telepathic. We will have uh, a a shared group consciousness much more than we do now. Not like the Borg, but just like, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Hi, hi there. We don't have to, we don't have to say it out loud. We can just know it. Um, And the fourth density is seeking the laws of light. uh, And it takes a long time, maybe millions of years in fourth density. And then eventually you reach a point of, uh, being able to manifest much more with thought alone. And in the fifth density, apparently beings begin to be able to actually choose the kind of physical form they want. 
It's not so much of a process of exploring love and, and service as it is exploring the wisdom that would refine all of that energy that you've now developed as a consciousness. And a lot of people on earth right now are what the law of one calls wanderers. They're souls who came from fourth, fifth, and sixth density uh, experiences to kind of lower their their vibration, lower their uh, experience in a more narrowed way in order to be of service. So uh, it's not that everyone here on, on the planet is trying to go from third to fourth density, a lot of advanced souls are going, um, are just learning lessons through being of service here and trying to raise the vibration to help other people achieve fourth density consciousness. Um, but the fifth density uh, that works with the laws of light eventually graduates into the sixth density, which is learning the laws of one, the law of one, basically, which is also a process of understanding how wisdom and love can best be fit together for the greatest optimal evolution back into the one, the understanding of the one. So that's a very fundamental principle that Ra is of the sixth density, and that's where they're coming from, whereas most channels identify with uh, the fourth or the fifth density, uh, trying to teach strong lessons about love, strong lessons about wisdom and light. Light is being synonymous with wisdom in a lot of what they talk about. And the seventh density, Ra hasn't attained yet, but this is the last density before the reunion of all identity into one, the one mind of the creator. And the seventh density is where you learn the laws of timelessness. The laws of timelessness where I, I can't even speculate and Ra even has a hard time, but I would imagine all of time is then seen as one, all timelines. A lot of people today can easily say, oh yeah, time doesn't exist, it's an illusion. But we're still in it all the time, right. experiencing it. We haven't seen all of time as one thing, one reciprocation of one experience, one moment which is apparently what what uh, facilitates the uh, the the final appreciation of all as one. Mm. And then there are future universes. There was previous universes. There's just there's octaves. You know, on a panel, you continue to have octaves higher and lower. Right. And uh, those other universes, Ra knows very little about, but they do know a little bit, and they know that there are beings who come from the future universe back into this one, um, and they don't give much detail. But that could even dovetail into what Corey Good has described, uh, which is very fascinating. Uh, we have this person who claims that he's being contacted by Ra, and uh, there is a strong association with um, blue spheres that have been kind of facilitating a balanced, buffered energy for our our progression into fourth density, so people don't go crazy as the sun is is super juiced with new energy. Um, but but that's one example I would say of what of what I believe it would be an example of beings from a, the next universe who needed to kind of like tweak things as though there's maybe some coalescence of all the universes that's taking place on some grander scale that we can barely even right. appreciate. That's a whole other. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing. That makes sense. And so the, the seven densities, like you said, it's an octave. So when you start out here on earth, let's say in first density, and then you graduate to second and third and then once you're in seventh, once you graduate from seventh, you go to the eighth, but the eighth is really the first uh, first level of the next octave. Right, right. Okay. And so now, g- graduating from one density to another, uh, I guess it's different for every density, what you have to attain or become. Right, be ready for. Be ready for. And it's also represented by the chakras, the energy centers. They call chakras energy centers. 
although they they clarified this is the same thing as chakras, but that low that word is very loaded with many concepts that right. probably are not totally accurate to what they are intending. Um, but basically, you know, the the first chakra is survival. So this is basically the nature of the first density consciousness too is basically just appreciating survival, um, just getting to the point of becoming uh, a, a life form that can do things is the second density then, which uh, the uh, orange, the, yeah, the orange chakra. What's the, the sacral chakra? And this relates to personal identity. Relates to, and uh, we could have blockages when we are, um, you know, thinking very badly about ourselves or something, or very distorted perception of ourselves. We can have blockages in the orange chakra, and this is what animals go through, just trying to figure out who, what what am I, what's going on here, and and then um, the third density corresponds to the yellow, the solar plexus around around the stomach, and uh, this deals with social relations. Ra even said that. When we would negatively use the term ego, saying you have an ego, that relates to blockages of the yellow chakra. Um, so uh, that's where a lot of our forgiveness work right now is needing to unblock that the, the stuff going on in the yellow chakra. Um, but when we can activate the the heart chakra, then we can we can live in this magical world of of love where things go much more smoothly and we get we get ready much more powerfully is a good word for it too. Uh, when we when we keep our hearts open, we have more power. We have more ability to do more in this in this lifetime. And it's almost too much to talk about the higher chakras because that's esoteric stuff. That's I don't even fully understand. Right. I think if people can get to their hearts open a lot of the time, that's and the, the energy flows upwards. So if you're blocked at one chakra level, you cannot. You, the amount of opening you can have of a higher chakra is limited by that blockage down below. Right. So working from the bottom up is the most important thing. So um, seeing things in terms of survival, if you're stuck, uh, you know, not being able to even, you know, pay for food, that's a big issue. Get that fixed right away. But but most people aren't there anymore. Right. They're dealing with these other issues related to the way they see themselves, the way they see other people. You can work out all the forgiveness lessons there, forgiving yourself, forgiving others. You're 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 clear to to open your heart. Right. Yeah, the opening of the heart. So the heart chakra is the fourth chakra. Yep. And its color is green. Yep. And it's actually, uh, you know, one of my teachers, Babaji Maharaj, has said that the heart chakra is the the main chakra. And he actually said that all other chakras are technically within the heart chakra, hmm. meaning the heart is the the one and all the rest are within it, in a sense. Um, and I don't, well, anyway, I don't want the to. The Love One it. uses the term springboard. The heart is the springboard towards infinite intelligence. So if you can really get the heart open, then that's like basically what you need to go anywhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so opening the heart is, I mean, look, we live in America and it's 2019 and our social construction is, is all over the map and people are angry, especially politically and all this stuff. And it's, um, you know, opening the heart almost seems scary, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I probably struggled a lot with, you know, being being programmed that uh, I have to be a certain way, I have to be cool, I have to be a certain type of person, and the loving person isn't as cool. You know, <laughs> it's like there's these weird things that we we've, we've dealt with. Yeah, but <laughs> really, when you when your when your heart is open, you're you're, you're free to to um, not hold any attachments. You're free to, to to live life without getting stuck to the things which could hold you down, hold you back. So it's um, 
and it's really fulfilling too if if you can stay in that space but but like you said there are so many things this world is throwing at us that make it so hard to stay in that in that loving consciousness right um but that's all useful it's all there for us to recognize you know i'd rather have love than this right now right <laughs> and i think i think they ask ra how how to get from third to fourth density right i think they what what does he say um, or he it whatever well, it's like I described. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, there's, there's. I guess you could say there's two ways. There's, there's the, there's the natural harvesting that, that happens when the Earth reaches a point where everyone is is going through some kind of transition, and that's what's happening right now. And this could, uh, there's a lot of things that could be manifesting in terms of um, maybe the sun will release some some kind of extra energy, like a solar flash, a CME. And maybe the extraterrestrials will have to, uh, po- very positive-oriented extraterrestrials will be involved in assisting humanity if our satellites all go out and our technology all goes out. That's something Corey Good has been saying. It's not something that's talked about in the Law of One, but that's something that, that's been being speculated. It could be what the Law of One describes as the harvest, which is also the word Jesus used um, when he talked about in, in Matthew, um, I think it was chapter 16, he talked about um, that the there was a parable that the wheat and the tares would be growing together and the harvesters were told, don't pull out those weeds. Don't try to get all the negative stuff out because you might uproot the, the good, the good weeds uh, along with the, the, or the, the good wheat along with the, the good weed, the, the bad weeds. Right. So basically at the end of the age, now it's the appropriate time to do some of the separation because now is the time that we don't need to have this field growing anymore. Now is the time that we can move on. And for a lot of people on earth, move on will mean um, stay on earth and go into the higher vibrational energy. It might mean some people will go to a different planet to have an experience similar to what they had here to uh, uh, continue that same experience. And for some people, it might mean something totally different, but I don't, I don't totally know. Um, It's just at this point, um, the harvesting is, is going to happen automatically. You just have to be a loving person in order to get to fourth density. Be a nice person and, and focus on on forgiveness, and that's that's really the key. However, there are other esoteric things described that at any time, any time we want, we can open up all of our energy centers and and be like Jesus, and we can we can be like gods on Earth if we are fully ready to see everything in terms of the sacramental nature of each experience and transcend the need for any sense of duality, um, we can. We are the creator, and we have the power that goes with it, but we are choosing uh, an experience of separate identity, which necessitates limitations. Right. So we're accepting that in this incarnation, and do you... So what do you think? Do you think that each of us could progress much faster and open up and get all the, the energy, like you said, or... Is it better to go through just the regular uh, experiences that we sort of mapped out for ourselves already? Well, I think at this point, the most practical thing is if if you're a kind of person who is still getting frustrated during the day, just focus on on love and forgiveness and keep that your priority. But if you feel like you can't remember the last time you got frustrated, if you're there, uh, maybe it would be time to uh, try a lot more meditation and see what you open up with that meditation and, and see if you're ready for something more. But, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not there yet. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. 
And this is from my interpretation of the law of one. Right. One of the things that they do describe is that you're, there could be an imbalance between the higher energy centers. If you're trying really hard, if you're using uh, psychedelics or drugs or something a lot, and you're you're opening up these higher energy centers in a way that's you haven't worked on your lower ones first, this is not a dependable kind of opening of your energy. And um, you might have a lot of amazing experiences, but it might not be useful for you in the long run. It might, might not be useful for other people. Um, so staying very balanced is really, really important right. and, and making sure your lower centers are clear. The way you see yourself, the way you see other people is completely loving and forgiving. That's, that's the important step first. Right. Yeah. And in the ones I read last night, the, the sessions I read last night, they talked about a few people, a few individuals from history and what was their incarnation like? Did they move on to fourth density or did they grow? And and surprisingly, Ra sometimes says that they overcame some things, but in general, they, they, they're not closer to the next level. So, so how, how, well, I guess, I guess you just answered it with the forgiveness and the acceptance. That's how we yeah. move to the fourth, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it sounds too simple for people, doesn't it? It's yeah. like, oh, I've heard this a million times. <laughs> well, there's a reason you've heard it a million times. Somebody's trying to get through to you. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and really accomplishing it for yourself in your life, or not even accomplishing it, becoming it yourself. That's the, the, the beauty of the spiritual journey, I think. P- part of the beauty is it's just me. Like I don't, it doesn't matter about society. It doesn't matter about my job or where I live. Like it's just me. It's inside of me. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, people love to watch games and football and, and online games and chess and all these games, but it's like within ourselves, you know, spirit progressing spiritually is sort of like a game, which we could focus on. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've thought of a lot like a video game. It's like, there's, Oh, boy, I spent too much time distracted by video games as a kid. And if someone had told me, you know, you can have superpowers if you work on it. <laughs> right. I remember when I was a kid after watching Star Wars, it's like, can I actually do that? Can I use the Force? Ah, I guess not. But if somebody like authoritatively told me as a kid, you know, all the miracles Jesus did, that's that's available. There's There's no reason we can't get there. It's just you can't be super distracted. And this is something that actually is explicitly discussed. Like television is a huge thing for people. It's like so, it's like so easy to get sucked into other people's experiences and not process your own. But we're, we're given so many experiences that we don't fully pro- properly process. One of the techniques they gave um, – oh, they give other examples of uh, non-competitive games. Like if you're out doing something with other people, then there's lessons that you can be learning because of the interaction with other people. Um, but but ultimately, one of the lessons that's very helpful that they, they explained, um, one of the techniques, is um, when you're thinking about the experiences you've had during the day, say you're meditating or just contemplating, what, what happened to me? What, what, what triggered me? What was, what was difficult today? You can try to imagine the opposite emotions of those emotions that you were experiencing. And if you can get to the point of imagining the opposite emotion, you can bring balance way quicker and easier to that particular type of emotion, positive or negative, um, you can you can balance out all of the emotions which are causing you to have karma and to, to continue in these types of experiences. And if we spend our time in the evenings working on ourselves instead of watching TV, we can blast through a lot of this stuff a lot easier. We mm-hmm. do have the time 
if we if we can meditate in the evenings right yeah yeah i totally agree with that i feel that too i felt it in my life that's been my experience yeah when i started practicing spirituality seriously and giving myself that time and and doing these core simple practices yeah it it literally cleaned up my whole life i mean it took several years to unfold but mm-hmm. it just cleared it up yeah yeah there's a lot of stuff we can clean so back to uh the positive and negative let's get there finally because i've heard um and i think i've read in in the raw contact as well that um like i think we all we all we can all look around in life and understand that a lot of people are selfish and yeah. and i myself am probably selfish right i'm not yeah, different in, than in anybody. all types of little ways we have our little Right. So, but to get to the next uh, density, we either have to be, and tell me if I'm right, we either have to be 51%, well, wait, no. What is the 51% and 49, 51%? Well, it's basically saying, have your heart open most of the time, 51% plus of the time, and you're ready. You're ready for the next density. And when my heart's open, that means I'm helping others or Service living? to others versus service to self. Um, and that's... It's a very strong uh, terminology in the New Age community that seems to be evolving. Is, are you service to others now? Well, I prefer the term, are you of service to others, uh, to make it make it clear what they're talking about. Are you trying to be of service to others? Um, that would indicate that your heart is open. You don't have to be fulfilling or actually clearly being of service. It's having that intention, having that heart opening, I want to be of service to others most of the time. And then you're not you're not stuck in some distorted conception of yourself, because you have this awareness. Love is like an intuitive knowing. I would say that I am one with my brother. I am one with you, and I'm going to do what's good for you. I'm not thinking of myself first. I'm thinking of you because we're a part of this together. Um, and so the negative polarity. Um, well, wait before we get there. <laughs> the positive polarity. The fifty-one percent trying to be of service to others fifty-one percent of the time. I really like what you just said about you don't have to be out in the world doing things, yeah, like physically helping others, although sometimes I'm sure you would, but it's more of like a consciousness or and and a and a you know, a decision almost yeah to to be of service to others, and so I love that because that really underscores this part of the spiritual journey is that it it really comes down to your own vibration. And your own intentions and not not just am I out there, you know, feeding homeless people or right. doing something like that. Right, right. Another way I, li- I like to think of it, uh, another phrasing I've liked is where are you coming from when you're deciding what, what you're doing and why you're doing it? Where are you coming from? Are you coming from a desire to achieve something for yourself or is that not a part of it? So that's that's another way. Yeah. Yeah, and then the whole then the whole thing with valuing for yourself the fact that you're open to helping others. Like again, not physically helping others, but being open and ready to help others, that's valuable. Like that's yeah. That's the being in that state is valuable, but like we don't think of it that way, right? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Um because then we're in what, habits. We're in habit. So what I'm, and because if you're in that state, things are going to come along. Like it's, it's, I think it's from a, from a sales training course I once took. 
he's like, they said, don't go out prospecting, meaning don't go out looking for someone to sell to. So, so the quote was, don't go out prospecting, prospect wherever you go. Wow. Yeah. Because you know what? Like, so in terms of helping people as part of your spiritual evolution, don't go out specifically to help people, just help people wherever you are and wherever you go. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times <laughs> it's kind of like a carrot on the stick mentality with, I want to be helping people because I want to be a good person and being a good person will help me evolve. And, you know, it's still, it's still, there's still this gray area where you're wanting it for yourself. But although of course one can easily lead to the other when you get out there with people, Oh, I feel so much love for these people now. Right. And that did happen to me when I was helping homeless people in Southern California. I was so overwhelmed uh, with compassion that I hadn't felt for people before. Um, so that, that can be one catalyst. Um, yeah, I don't know. Should we move on to the to the negative? To the negative, because yeah. this is for the intellectual person. This is very useful. This can be very useful teaching to understand. Like God does allow suffering, and there's a reason. You know, God. Um, it's it's of course your conception of God. It's like suffering might might be you know an illusion based on the way we're thinking about it. So that might not be an accurate way of saying it either. But um, basically. There was an experiment that was described in the law of one that the, the the mind of the galaxy performed, and it's it's the same thing they 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 say is essentially made as a metaphor by talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that there was this kind of moment in in the in the course of evolution of the galaxy that there was a decision we will actually allow people more free will by limiting their awareness. And by limiting their awareness, they can become the idea of gods to themselves and decide this is good, this is evil. And in saying this is good and this is evil and believing that, and, and basically having a limited access to an awareness of I am one with my brother, um, you, can, you can then create what we now call the negative. You can have somebody doing something that would be like a violent thing or taking from someone you can have all, all all types of conquest and power over other selves, and you can have one person feel like they're better than another person, even though they're all the creator. So with this kind of, uh, of a scenario, now we have more catalyst. There's more opportunity for people to feel like it's more important to, to really do something about the state of the universe, really evolve and, and grow in love so that they can do something about these negative guys. And... Right. Without the, this duality system, apparently there was much slower growth in the early stages of, of the universe and galactic evolution. But now that we have this extra catalyst from um, people who are really negative, and this is something that I, there's no there's no shame in looking at it this way. There are some really really negative people who are very very self oriented, and if you gave them you know um, a, a chance to get better they would choose to stay as evil as, as, as they want to be because this is a legitimate choice. And, and it's easier to forgive people actually when you recognize this is actually a legitimate path. People can choose if they want to be very negative and evil. And so I, I, I do think that um, – and they, they actually describe there's, there's like a whole galactic war kind of scale to this where you've got um, – they call them the Orion Group – they don't explicitly call them reptilian, but generally, you know, people in the Evo community are saying these are reptilian guys that are or reptilian entities that work both physically and 
metaphysically uh, in the in the uh, inner dimensions in the unseen dimensions they can affect our minds there can be minions that they they work with that are entities that try to give us temptations towards self-aggrandizement temptations towards um, selfishness of all kinds and um, so there there is this this quarantine of 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 the catalyst that basically there's like the higher density beings are allowing in a certain amount of negative influence into the planet based on our level of invitation of it. So the negative influence in the planet allows us to um, continue to pursue the negative if that's what we're wanting to pursue and get more negative thoughts from these negative entities. So when we're frustrated, we might have a thought randomly come to us, oh, I hate that guy. You know, and that might not actually be our thought. That might be something that we were, of course, we're all one, but but this is something that it's like it's coming from a different part of ourselves that's a very, very deeply and sophisticatedly negative part of ourselves that understands the negative so well that they know how to give you exactly that thought to get under your skin and to keep getting under your skin to give you the most intense catalyst possible. And so now you have to make a choice. Do you want to go down that road more or do you want to do you want to truly understand the forgiveness that was missing that wouldn't have allowed that to happen in, in your mind? But basically they say that uh, we we are on a planet where there are some really negative people. You could call them the negative elite. And um, some of them are doing a lot of black magic. And uh, this is a lot of uh, literature in the conspiracy community about this kind of thing going on. Um, and so they've made control, maintained control of, of a lot of systems on this planet through um, darker techniques, and it's it's allowed us to experience catalysts on a very uh, large scale, like political level scale and religion level scale. Um, holy wars and all the wars we fought have been heavily manipulated into being by like, false flags and stuff like that. Uh, so without going too far into all that, it's they they say that there's a way to to be harvested into the negative polarity from this planet if you choose to be 95% service to self and less than 5% service to others oriented. And this is a way that you could circumvent the heart chakra entirely by developing so much power in your lower chakras that you can you can jump up and create an energy system that's complete without the heart. Um, and this is one way that people can, and they give examples like Genghis Khan and Rasputin were examples of people who are so negative that they were able to just flip out when they, when they died and go to some totally other planet where there's it's based on conquest. It's based on warfare is, is the nature of those those civilizations, which is basically, they say it's like one-tenth of the galaxy. So it's it's they're outnumbered and um, it might be dwindling. There might be have to be some kind of larger balancing taking place in the galaxy. I don't know for sure, but it's a part of our reality. And um, this is only, um, the negative polarities can only exist in third, fourth, and fifth density. And in the sixth density, when you start to actually pursue the oneness of all things and see yourself and you're gaining in power still you're gaining in control and that's what they want but to gain in power in the sixth density the only option is to see the oneness of all things and so once they're in that level only positivity only positivity can exist so you, you flip polarity at some point in the early sixth density um when you're pursuing very strongly negatively so inevitably everything is still reconciled it's just for this portion of our evolution where we perceive ourselves as separate we have this duality. Right. And the duality, the negative elements help provide those experiences, the catalyst to help each of us right. grow ourselves. Yeah. Now, so in terms of the harvest, so there's, so there's, tell me if I'm right. 
there's two ways. One, you can be 51% service to others. Yep. Or the other way, you can be less than 5% service to others. Right, right. Okay. And then, then you're harvested. And har- could a, you describe the harvesting? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky word. People don't like that word. <laughs> uh, they also use the word, I think, graduation. And some people use the word ascension. And that's not explicitly in the law of one, but it's clearly what's being referred to okay. as the way people use that word. Um, and it's it's not like we're being um, treated like we're some kind of weeds in a field, but it's it's like I think you know when you, when you think about different densities and how do we actually view the different densities. One example I thought of is like a pet. Like the difference between the fourth density consciousnesses, which are super psychic and, and super conscious, those intelligences might look at people on the same way that we might look at a very intelligent, very beloved pet. We see them as part of the family, and we know that they don't quite understand enough to be let out to run down the street. So, so we we you know there are some safeguards that we allow to be in place. We we don't let them run down the street. Um, now, uh, maybe if it's maybe if we're really determined, they do let some of us run down the street as long as we want, because uh, there's there's always exceptions. But a lot of us, we don't want to get run over by a car, uh, and we want to we want to have a nice experience. And so um, there 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 is an experience here where we're becoming more intelligent, more spiritually aware, just like a pet might become more self aware, more like a person of the family. And pets actually do. They say eventually become ready to incarnate as people. So you could actually, I don't know if this could happen, but in, in theory, you could have a pet die and show up as a baby. Now, that baby wouldn't be very advanced. It, it, it might not, not be the most, um, uh, you know, it might not be a savant, <laughs> but right. but it's, it's still uh, getting to experience the beginnings of, of third density. Right. And in the same way, people here who become very loving get to, once they're really ready, um, these consciousnesses which have been... Um, guiding us to get to this point of being ready, they say, okay, they're ready for this new experience. And they might help our soul transition to a more ascended kind of existence. Right. And that's what's happening. And so there's my personal, like for me personally, let's say I'm in third density and I want to move to fourth density. That's one transition for me personally, but then there's a transition for the planet as well. And do those two coincide? For a lot of people, they will, and for maybe a lot of people, they won't. Okay. Um, so there's something that happens with the the whole galaxy that that there are systems of energy, like a like a clock. They say it's actually uh, just as the as the sun moves around, as the the cluster of star systems that we're in moves around the galaxy, there are different fields of energy that we'll be entering into, and. And these different fields of energy inevitably cause the sun to give off more energy that will require an upgraded body uh, to fully uh, deal with. And we might be getting those upgrades right now in a very subtle way. Maybe small genetic changes are being made behind behind the scenes. We don't always understand it. Um, but with these upgraded um, bodies, we will be able to be more telepathic. And I do think it is actually partly, you know, it's partly a spiritual thing, but it's partly a genetic thing. Like some people, um, like I don't know if it's like Ireland, there's like there's Native American, Cherokee, like they're they're more psychic. It's it's I think it's been shown in many um, experiments that um, some some types of genetics have more abilities, but we can have way more abilities when 
when the energy is boosted and we're, we're ready for it. I see. Um, a lot of people want to have private thoughts, you know, <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. Right. But uh, when you're in these higher energies, you have the ability to see other people's minds and it's not going to feel like you can have a private thought anymore. And so that people, some people don't want that. And that's, that's fine. Right. But, but that's, that's where love will take you. It's like, why wouldn't I want to know? Why wouldn't we want to share all of our thoughts? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the planet will move into some, a new energy, which is going to help facilitate the movement of individuals to the fourth density. But of course, then it's up to me and my experience to yeah. sort of earn fourth density, whatever. Decide, make the choice that, that love is what you prefer. Right. And then, so are, on the planet Earth right now, are there beings, or are there physical beings that are in fourth density in fifth and sixth? Well, maybe not visible, gener- not generally visible. Maybe okay. some beings show up in UFOs, you know, and they're from fourth and fifth densities. Okay. Um, but no, like physical guys like you and me. Right. It's are, not happening yet. Are any of us fourth density or fifth or? No. Okay. Uh, not yet. Uh, although they, they do describe um, dual bodies that I don't, I don't fully understand that. Um, there could be some people who have so, some of the genetics that are partly fourth density ready. Um, and well, there, there, there's, there's other caveats here. You know, maybe there are some beings that I don't know about. Maybe okay. they're they're in some you know <laughs> temples in Nepal or something. Right. <laughs> well, the double body thing. Last night I read about um, Abraham Lincoln that Ra said that in I think it was 1853 or 1854, which was you know whatever. Let's say seven years before or seven or eight years before the Civil War that Abraham Lincoln had a dream. And there was some other being, I don't know if it was fourth or fifth or sixth density, basically took over his body and existence. Yeah. This is a very rare phenomenon, okay. but it's something that people can uh, kind of agree to. I would say it might be partly before they're born, too. There's pre-incarnative decisions that we make about how our, our life will play out such that we will grow the most. And maybe if the soul that Abraham Lincoln was um, representing— felt like, um, you know, my incarnation, I want it to be a lot more useful right now. And I'm going to let this other being be a part of me. This is called a walk-in. So so I don't know if the original Abraham Lincoln soul went somewhere, but basically they say that there was a wandering soul, like a lot of us are wandering souls from higher density, came into that, into that incarnation to make Abraham Lincoln do a really tough job at a really critical time. Right. Yeah, I think they said Lincoln's mind body spirit complex was like just waiting somewhere in the background while this other being yeah used his body to do Oh okay yeah I forgot about that part something like that yeah and they said more about it but I can't remember um so the wanderers who are here and by the way I just want to mention for everyone we'll I think we'll wrap this up pretty soon but like we're talking about a lot of stuff here but we could go into way more detail oh, yeah. about what Ross says. And there's way more topics. Yeah, it's like a thousand things we talk about. There's like a mil- like there's history, the pyramids, the yeah. everything. Like there's Yeah. I'm it's just astounding. That I'm actually having to read it fairly slowly because yeah. yeah, that's the best way to read it. As slow as you can to process everything. Man. So the wanderers who are here, let's say they do come from, let's just say fifth density. But they're here in third density, so are they st- are they considered a third density being? Well, 
or like a three three plus, <laughs> like an iPhone. We're all in all densities, and in some sense, all, all all is one in time and space, and we're in all densities simultaneously. Actually, they say a higher self is ourselves coming back from the sixth density, based on knowledge attained in the seventh density, and this higher self is able to come back in time across all of our existence and be with us in the present moment and assist us. So this is a trippy thing. Yeah, that is. So in a sense, we're already there. Yeah. It's just a matter of shifting the road that we're taking to get there. And there's many timelines that we can follow to get back to the one. Yeah. (laughs) I love this. So uh, I think, I yeah, I was just staring off into space yeah that's a deep <laughs> one that, 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 could, that could be a whole other discussion that's huge yeah because i find myself thinking in practical terms i keep coming back to well okay so if my higher self is there in sixth density mm-hmm. and there's just whatever some forgetting um, i'm forgetting things or there's some veil or there's blockages in my energy like let's just get rid of all that man yeah and but the answer is simple, like we were talking about earlier, right? It, yeah. The answer is that simple, is yeah. it? Yeah. Well, a lot of us will think that sounds simple, but then why are we holding on to all these things in our life? Like, like there, there are so many little reasons we make to ourselves. Well, I got to have this. I got to be like this. You know. Well, I've I've got to help these other people because these other people don't matter. You know. <laughs> it's like it's all these things we got we got to recognize. It's it's all kind of a, a jumbled mess of unforgiveness. Mm. All right. Well, Mike Waskowski, let's talk about uh, you. Tell us about your local meetup here in Colorado Springs and uh, any speaking you'll be doing as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is, um, I, I know Chris through meetup groups. Chris here has got his Pause Your Life meetup group, which I've attended in town with yeah. my wife for a while. And uh, I, I started a meetup group uh, called ET Disclosure and Contact in, in Colorado Springs here in 2015. And uh, we meet uh, a couple times a month. We do a meditation, monthly CE5, uh, meditate under the stars, watch for ships. And we also uh, do a monthly discussion, have very interesting people. Sometimes people who have a lot of insider information show up. It's so, so awesome when we do. Um, And uh, I also do another meetup group called Universal Metaphysics, where I do like everything besides the ET stuff. So it's like if I have somebody in town wants to speak on something, I can can give them a forum for that. And... uh, yeah, I work as a, a freelancer. I, I do uh, web technologies. I do app development, web development. Um, so there's a lot of different things I do. I work for people in the UFO community. Um, so I, I've been trying to migrate what I'm doing to be more oriented towards um, what was being called disclosure, trying to get the truth out in as many forms as possible. Um, and I'm happy that I'm able to do that more and more with, with my my working hours. And so I'll be speaking at a conference in August called Dimensions of Disclosure. You can go to dimensionsofdisclosure.com. Um, I'm probably going to talk about the law of one, which I really love talking about, talking about a lot of different topics and interconnect that with other bigger things that are happening on the, on the planet right now and uh, how all this relates to just removing distortions. The law of one talks about everything is being a distortion of this one original thought and, and, and seeing that everything is a distortion and that there's a way to become less distorted in our understanding as is really central to the process of evolution in mind, body, and spirit, I think. Right. 
So that's in uh, Ventura, California, um, August 23rd to 25th, I think. I'll have David Wilcock and Corey Good there, uh, Michael Sala, Laura Eisenhower. Pretty good, oh, cool. interesting people. Awesome. And yeah, we didn't, it's funny that you we didn't bring up the word distortion until right at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> um, why, don't, why don't you just define that real quick, just for everyone? Well, I think it's the definition that you would think of. It's it's what what is so interesting about it is that the definition that you think of it's just something that's not totally true and that's the way we look at everything isn't it's through a distorted lens. Got it. Of separate identity, of seeing things as not in the true light of the of the one original pure love and light that that is the creator. Got it. And in in the law of one sort of philosophy, everything is a distortion. Everything that we are experiencing, that we are thinking. Generally, I would say, well, I should say 100% because it's like to get to that state of consciousness, it's, it doesn't seem to be what I've done so far, but in theory, there's an undistorted thought that we're getting to. Right. And all of this, even our own, even our physical bodies and the planet, like it's, it's here for a reason. It's not that it's useless, yeah, but it's not, it's, it's sort of radiating the one thought of love, yeah, but not properly yeah like uh, the course in miracles would call it an illusion or unreal and i think that's a great way to connect the two philosophies together is is that there's just uh, a large distorted perception of what is and it's ultimately an illusion from what really is right yeah the whole idea of illusion is really fascinating yeah because things are here Everything exists for a time, but then at some time it goes away. Yeah. Like a tree or anything, our bodies. Yeah. But there's one thing that does not never, that never goes away. Right. That which is eternal. And we're still seeking to understand. Right. Yeah. But love is definitely a connected concept. Love and light. um, Because they say love was the, uh, the original, they call it the second distortion, but it's the original distortion that created infinite energy the the infinite awareness of the creator created an infinite energy which was love and so everything came from love and so seeing love in the moment seeking love in the moment gets us back to that original energy of oneness right well we got to leave on that note right there (laughs) all right thanks mike it was great thanks yeah keep doing these awesome (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't know oh yeah and you know you you're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a lot more of these me and you because sure i find it fascinating yeah and uh i love talking about it and i think uh, it'll help a lot of people too yeah maybe yeah 